Welcome everybody. Welcome. Nice to see you. Yeah, I really like this um, online waving ritual that you all have. Everyone's waving to each other. Looks like with sincere enthusiasm as people join. So it's lovely. Uh, anyway, my name is Carrie. For those of you who haven't met, um, noticing the uh, pleasant temperature in the room. <laughs> so it's good to notice the absence of suffering, right? As well as the presence of suffering. So I just noticed how, for my thermostat, it's quite pleasant. Yeah. Not always so. So how, how are you all tonight? How are your inner conditions? See some yawns? <laughs> Tired? Yeah. Uh, so the theme for tonight, for this month, uh, is delusion, as I understand it. <laughs> um, so how many people uh, haven't been uh, attending Seattle Insight regularly or haven't come for a while or... Great. Welcome. Yeah, off and on. Okay, so the overarching theme of the oops. the overarching theme of the year um, is teaching from the threes. So uh, looking at early Buddhist teachings that are grouped in terms of three. So uh, three refuges, for instance. Um, and the theme for these months are what are called the three poisons. So these are greed, hatred, and this month is delusion. Right. So these are uh, human inclinations towards unwholesome states, the variety of unwholesome states. And uh, Greed and hatred, I think they can come in all forms, they can be gross or subtle, um, are somewhat uh, maybe easier to notice, maybe not easy to relate to or manage, but somewhat easier to notice. Um, but how, with delusion, how do we know what we don't know? How do we know what we, how do we see what we aren't seeing? Huh? So it's a way, uh, in some ways, it's why we engage practice. We don't engage practice generally because we're very satisfied with how things are going and we just want it to continue. Right? Just want things to just keep on going as they're going. We uh, practice generally because we want to learn to relate differently to the circumstances of our lives. So, uh, Although I think it's important to think of these three as, you know, to not underestimate them because um, they can have very detrimental effects if they're not seen on ourselves and others. Um, but also to keep in mind that they are another term for poison is also affliction, right? So it's something that afflicts the heart. 
with a lot of these terms like poison and defilement um, in many of our systems this comes with a, a tone of moral judgment right um, but these are energies that afflict us that trap us they aren't inherent to our systems they're strong tendencies that get evoked that lead in directions that are um, unhelpful and unhealthy so there's this um, wonderful term, uh, Pali term, kusala, which uh, is translated as wholesome. So kusala is wholesome, a kusala is unwholesome. So I prefer to think of wholesome as healthy and helpful. These are forces that are, uh, if they're kusala or wholesome, they're helpful, they're healthy, and that they bring us to a, a state of greater well-being, they move towards well-being, and they're helpful, right? Um, so thinking of being a, uh, under the sway of greed, hatred, and delusion, uh, just to keep in mind that these are not, um, even though they're powerful, they're not inherent. They can be uh, uprooted, right? So if they're roots, they're two, two, uh, two similes there, a root and a poison. But if they're roots, they can be uh, uprooted. If they're poison, they can be uh, kind of healed or remedied or um, extracted from the system. So this is our path of practice. But delusion, by definition, is a little harder to, to see. Um, uh, I, I talk often about uh, <laughs> um, how the people who design uh, the internet and its various um, functions know these forces very, very well, right? They know them better than we do. And they are uh, in, full, in full effect a lot of the time. But uh, it's sometimes surprising. Wisdom will come shining through the internet, right? Unexpected. So the other day I was looking up on a talk for a talk on dukkha, suffering. Uh, I was, was doing some Google search. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I typed something in and all, you know, how all the options of all the Google searches that other people have done come up right underneath. What, what popped up right underneath was, uh, what is the root cause of my unhappiness? What is the root cause of my unhappiness? which my heart just, uh, I don't know, kind of started trembling, just thinking of somebody first coming up with that question and then typing it into Google for an answer. But by the time you get to that question, what is the root cause of my unhappiness? You, you have gone a long way. <laughs> 
right? You have um, actually embarked on some kind of search by the time you're holding that question. What is the root cause of this? Uh, so I, I thought that was so moving to see that come up. And uh, lo and behold, the answer, I don't know if this is just my algorithm from looking up a lot of Buddhist things, but um, the an first answer that came up was from the Dalai Lama. <clears throat> the root cause of uh, not just your unhappiness, our unhappiness, uh, is a lack of understanding. A lack of understanding. Um, so this is what we mean by uh, delusion. To some degree, we fail to understand the forces that inhabit and move through our minds and hearts and bodies. Because we don't understand them, we can't relate and respond to them well. Right? So the Dalai Lama, this is from his book in the art, the art of Happiness, but says something like, we don't understand positive states and where they lead. We don't understand negative states and where they lead. So there's a fundamental confusion about what's moving through us and where it leads. Right? This is this is delusion. So this is um, not to be again, not to be resented, not to be uh, anything that's discouraged that we get discouraged about. So. In the early teachings, um, the forces of delusion are personified. They're made into a character that the Buddha could then relate to over the years of his life and teaching. And this character is called Mara. Many of you might know. Um, and I have an 11-year-old niece named Mara. Um, my brother did not consult me when he named her. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we don't want to, so the Buddha doesn't just zap Mara, right? The Buddha learns, uh, kind of Mara's tricks, learns about, uh, his or her snares, learns, becomes very familiar with, uh, her operations. And even at the end of the Buddha's life, after his awakening, after he's been teaching for decades, Mara is still in the picture, right? still around, no longer a threat, no longer a problem, um, but uh, uh, isn't um, like zapped or evaporated or, or um, sometimes Mara slinks away, you know, clearly having been seen and defeated. Uh, but shows up in all these uh, in all these situations with all these guises. Um, so learning to relate right, to these forces of delusion, learning how to re recognize and relate skillfully, is so much of our so much of our practice. So. With delusion, uh, 
Delusion underlies the other two poisons. So it's there uh, underneath, like the root of the root. So it's underneath greed and hatred, right? So you could say that it is delusion that um, causes us to misperceive how alluring the object of our greed will be, right? It's the sheen uh, on whatever's enticing, you know? The, the sparkle of the um, website or the ad, right? The um, luminosity of the person who we're attracted to. Um, the promise of satisfaction when we think we might be right about something. Right? So it's, it's like the allure, delusion um, allows us to, or causes us to misperceive uh, the payoff of greed and the like, threat of um, aversion. Right? So it's what has us fixate on uh, um, the most irritating part of the person we're having a hard time with, right? It's, it's the part that uh, um, gives rise to the aversion, the part of our attention that um, sees that as uh, a threat to my happiness and well-being, right? and then uh, causes me to respond, I've got to get rid of this, I must push this away. Right? So it's there lurking underneath greed and hatred and not seeing clearly these forces for what they are. But it's also uh, our very real um, tendency to forget, to stay asleep, to uh, not see. Right? Anyone notice even after setting a very clear intention for practice, right? um, <laughs> that other things come in, <laughs> yes, that other wants come in, that um, there is there are energies in us uh, that have no interest in in waking up. Anyone notice? Is it just me? Have absolutely no interest in waking up, right? So how do we respond to that? Um, how do we how do we respond and relate to to those aspects of ourselves that really have have no interest in this endeavor? I've seen in myself it can go in a matter of um, weeks, hours. From this is the most important uh, driving force of my life to complete obsession with something trivial, <laughs> right? How's that? How is that? How is that? Right? So one of the ways that uh, Mara, or the forces of delusion work, uh, is um, they, uh, it, it, um, sets up a promise that it can't deliver, right? It distracts, causes us to fall asleep, um, get caught up with other things, but also mistakes kind of the superficial and peripheral 
for what's truly important, right? So isn't this how it happens in the swirl of a daily life? We can feel it in our systems. We've gotten caught up with inessentials. I'm not remembering who said it now. Maybe uh, Mary Strong, early contemplative, um, said something like, um, not to be caught, preoccupied with inessentials when one could breathe the cool, clear air. That is what is meant, right? Not to be preoccupied with inessentials. Um, and yet, this is, this is what happens. So this, um, this respect for the pull of uh, Mara, not to be resented or underestimated. Um, the teacher Sayadaw Tejaniya, many of you are familiar with, has this wonderful book called Don't Look Down on the Defilements, uh, just these three poisons and their offspring. Um, don't look down on the defilements, they will laugh at you. <laughs> right? And it has these like cartoon graphics in, in this, this very wise little book. Um, but it's somebody trying very earnestly to meditate and he has mice crawling all over him, right? Uh, pictures of cute uh, uh, cartoony mice. But it's everything that comes in uh, that goes, that seems to um, conflict or go against our deepest intentions and wishes. Mara was most powerful with the Buddha when she was enticing him to get off of his seat right, and abandon what he was doing. Yeah. So we can start to get a feel for this. And uh, again, a, a deepening understanding, familiarity, sense of humor, um, but still unflagging commitment. Um, that is a powerful combination of factors. Rather than lying in fear of being overtaken or uh, resentment, frustration at having lost it again. So this is Andy uh, Olensky, wonderful writer, Buddhist contemplative. He says, delusion is subtle. As the lamp behind the projector, the shimmer within the illusion, or the reflection in the mirror, delusion shines with a softer light than greed and hatred and illuminates indirectly. Delusion can be lovely, which is half the problem, and light doesn't always show the truth, which is the other half of the problem. Delusion shows things as other than they are, as stable, satisfying, personal, and alluring. Its optical tricks are creative, 
so much so that sometimes we don't know where the light leaves off and the darkness begins. Delusion leads us to revel in wielding the fires of greed and hatred, oblivious to the harm inflicted on ourselves and those around us. So in not seeing things clearly for what they are, our states clearly for what they are, um, again, we can uh, underestimate them and fail to see that whatever we do, think, or act, do, think, or say, how we act in the world, everything uh, matters. Right? Everything has a reverberation. Right? As we become more sensitive with mindful awareness, as we, as our awareness gains some uh, momentum, some stability, uh, we uh, are aware that uh, everything that uh, comes out of my mouth, every interaction, everything I read, everything I watch, everything I think about has an effect, right? has a palpable effect. So this can be paralyzing, <laughs> or we can learn how to work with that. We can learn how to skillfully turn towards what is actually healthy and helpful for this uh, body-mind. If it is healthy and helpful for this body-mind, it will be healthy and helpful for other body-minds as well. We have the same uh, operating systems to some degree, right? We have the same technologies. So uh, learning to be more and more sensitive, but not paranoid about cause and effect, right? Um, <clears throat> being aware of our uh, one kind of subtlety around that is we become more aware of our intentions going into a situation and staying close to our intention rather than any um, preconceived idea of a result. Right. It's extremely powerful in whatever it is that we do. Right. Rather than letting uh, some idea of how it's supposed to be, how I'm supposed to be, how this is supposed to turn out, they're supposed to love my talk, Everyone's supposed to be nodding and laughing and smiling and getting it. And yes, um, if I stay close to my intention of offering what I can and uh, stay connected to the health and well being of my heart and mind and body, uh, Mara does not take hold of that situation. Yeah and the healthy and the helpful tend have a greater chance of uh, being predominant in the experience. Okay, good. So um, I was at uh, Mariners baseball game the other night. So I come from a family of sports fans. 
I, I can't claim a lot of interest, but I go for the family. And, uh, and uh, they're loud. <laughs> they're loud. I had not been to one in person for a while. And uh, uh, every sense door, there is something happening, right? You've been in situations like this? I'm sure you have. Sometimes we, like, we enjoy them, right? So loud sounds, fireworks, screens flashing, right? People are doing the wave, so we're going up and down, and food coming in from everywhere, and um, voices, and uh, it was the swirl, right? And right in front of us is this um, probably like, two month, two to three month old baby, right? And so the usher was like sort of alarmed maybe that uh, a baby was, so brought head, big headphones for the baby. Um, but so I just locked into this baby during this like, cacophony of sense. Sometimes in the early teachings, it's called bombardment or impingement. I feel like things are happening to us from all sides, right? Information's coming into us from all sides. And so here's this baby, and, uh, you know, innocently in this little bubble of um, unawareness, <laughs> we just locked in on each other. And uh, uh, I was just struck by, um, I mean, the innocence of that, but also just the sheer sensitivity of that, right, of, of that being. And this is, this is our human condition. This is what we are born into, right, with this um, intensity coming in. You know, they're called sense doors for a reason. Things just come in, sights, sounds, um, tactile sensations, memories, images coming in through the mind door. Right? Baby didn't have so many of those yet, but um, just this, this sensory experience. So um, in a way to respect um, the protectiveness of the mind needing to shut some things out for a while. Yeah. So often when we're, in, we're practicing, there's this value on insight penetrating wisdom, cutting through. Sometimes it can feel kind of sharp and uh, like must in the early uh, teachings, you're always penetrating this mass of mental darkness, right? Um, but um, to respect the, the importance of things coming to light in a slow and gradual way, right? As our capacities grow along with them. This is what we learn, this is what we're learning so much from with the research uh, and teachings around trauma, right? So that you can't just rip all of the delusion or all of the protective mechanisms off all at once. You have to be gaining resources, gaining capacity, gaining a sense of refuge, at the same time 
that you're investigating, you're looking, you're seeing clearly. You have to be um, doing both. So I was appreciating this baby's capacity, uh, innocence, in being able to block out a fair amount of what was coming in and just walk in on uh, hopefully positive human relatedness, right? Yeah. So some, some teachers talk about this as uh, um, respecting the movement of um, not knowing, right? Or um, if we're preferencing light all the time to really uh, not look down on an equal capacity to be at home and at ease with a certain amount uh, of darkness, right? Certain amount that has not yet come to light. Can we be at ease with that? We can have the strongest intention in the world, right? A fire for awakening, transformation, whatever, however we envision that. And we can be, uh, reside with a lot of trust and a lot of patience and ease with um, everything in us that is not seen clearly yet, right? doesn't mean that we need to be carried away or create an identity out of that. But this is the wonderful paradox between knowing and not knowing, right? Between uh, the power of knowing and uh, resting in a fertile kind of, of not knowing. Some aspects of this not knowing or not yet known um, will become clear as we practice. Some of it will come to light in its own way. And there, uh, there are some aspects of this mystery of being alive that will always be unknown, right? That we'll never fully grasp. And this is good. This is important. This is part of our humility and wonder. Um, so what I notice uh, in myself and people I talk to is that um, some of us can form identities around uh, knowing, yeah. being clear, being certain, uh, being uh, sure. And some of us form identities around not knowing. Yeah. Actually feel more comfortable uh, or at least it's more familiar with a kind of doubt. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't know. Could do this, could do that. It could be this, it could be that. I don't know. I don't know. I think, but I'm not sure. And so in that, it's almost as though uh, there is part of us that does know but that doesn't want to bear the consequences of what we do know. Yeah. So to, to clearly admit, yes, I know, this 
I, I actually have some understanding about that, would be to take on uh, the consequences of that knowing. So how many people feel more familiar in a state or more like yourself in a state of certainty? This is how it is. This is how I am. This is it. Yeah. And how many people feel more familiar, at least it feels more like you, in the kind of, well, not sure. I don't know. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, it's the lure of the familiar in each of those that is the dilute, that, that is kind of uh, part of the delusion. Right, so I think of it as um, you think of falling into ruts or the forces of habit. It's like the sides of the ruts, you know. Um, so, uh, so we can question if we are more prone to that certainty. We can question: Is this true? Do I know this? Can I absolutely know this is true? Yeah, is this true for all time? Um, what about this is changing, always in flux, always transforming? Those, can, those are very helpful inquiry questions to try to get at the delusion of certainty. If we're more prone to the vacillating, hesitating uh, doubt, which can feel sometimes like dullness, which can feel sometimes like diffusion, we've lost our, lost our moorings, um, it can be very helpful to uh, start to question, um, is it true that I don't know? Is there something I'd prefer not to know? <laughs> and you kind of sit with those questions for a bit. Yeah. So it's very helpful to get familiar with uh, what you're up to, yeah? what your mind is up to, what your states are generating, what your preferences and habits are. So, and to um, make peace with those moments um, of confusion that will come, all right? So again, we don't want to make an identity out of pushing away the confusion and doubt and clinging to some kind of certainty but we also don't want to make an identity out of confusion either. Right? It's a passing state with particular characteristics, right? like the poem at the beginning. This is a, from a poet called Ying Wan Longji. It was quoted by a Zen teacher, Joan Sutherland, in one of her books. You can't light a lamp. There's no oil in the house. It's a shame to want a light. I have a way to bless this darkness. Just feel your way along the wall. Feel your way along the wall. So when we're in states of confusion, when we feel ensnared by confusion, 
uh, it is very helpful to, um, as the, the poem says, if we can stand still, right? Because every movement trying to claw our way out will lead to further agitation and confusion. So I heard from a park ranger once that when, uh, or someone who does search and rescue, I think that when people are lost in the wilderness, um, that it's usually kids who do the best when they're lost, because kids will just sit there, find a comfortable shelter, and wait for people to find them, right? It's adults who think that, oh, it's just around the corner. <laughs> I know where we're going, right? So often it's kids, not always, who do, who do the best. Another word for delusion is bewilderment. I particularly like that one, bewilderment. It's like feeling led astray in the wild, right? So the, the, um, remedy or the answer is um, to sit down and to stay very close to that, uh, to the sensations, to the felt experience, to uh, the movements of the mind in that state, right? To gather your resources, to not drop the question, right? Don't drop, um, the intentionality to know and understand, um, but to stay very, very uh, attentive, you know, feeling your way along the wall. Um, all right. um, so this is a process, our whole process of practice is, um, uh, getting to know delusion, getting to know the tricks of the mind, the false promises, getting um, ourselves out of traps, learning about what resources come forward, what capacities come forward. Um, when we are in places that are stuck, that feel stuck. Yeah. My son uh, has been really resistant to going back to school. He's 10, uh, a lot of dread, and he asks on several occasions, um, can't I just get a shot? Um, and this is, this is coming from someone who hates shots. Can't I just get a shot that will um, just fill me up with everything I need to know? <laughs> can't I just get filled with everything I need to know. And then, right, then I won't have to go through this agonizing process of feeling like I don't know anything, right? Feeling like I can't, I, he isn't articulating this, I'm doing this for him, but um, this messy, confusing, bombarding uh, experience of learning to, to understand and learning to relate skillfully. Yeah. 
Um, and he's doing fine now. <laughs> Several days of school, he's doing great. He underestimated his capacities. It's great. Um, but uh, this is often what we wish for, you know? We wish for the helicopter airlift rather than the, the finding our way in the wilderness. But it's that that grows our capacities, more and more subtle capacities. Right? Um, so to be in delusion is to be completely at the mercy of pleasure and pain, of what comes in through the senses, and to not have enough awareness and understanding to, do, to skillfully relate to that. Right. So I have a, just a couple more um, suggestions. Uh, I have a whole, uh, <laughs> we, we also have, uh, so here's an example of delusion. Um, uh, as my son is more independent now, and um, our lives are a little bit, um, say, easier, but um, differently structured during the day, more peaceful. Um, my husband and I thought, oh, this would be a perfect time to get a puppy. <laughs> Things are going so well. Let's get a puppy. So, uh, so sometimes in the young adult group, we're like, oh, puppy dharma. Tell me some puppy dharma. Um, and so there's more and more of that. But uh, our, our uh, default consciousness is not so different from a puppy. So Joseph Goldstein calls this black lab consciousness, right? <laughs> this is, uh, we are being jerked, right? To this, deer poop over here, and blackberries over here, and another dog, and retreat, and back and forth. We're being jerked this way, that way, this way, that way. We are at the mercy of the objects that arise in experience. It's not the objects, it's our relationship to them. Uh, but uh, with training, I'm not claiming that we're there yet, but learn to sacrifice the quick hit of the <laughs> blackberry to the, hopefully, the um, kind attention and gaze of the owner, <laughs> right? uh, so that um, one starts to prefer uh, the ease of natural movement, right? Uh, in the presence, hopefully, of kindness and the functioning of one's mind and system, the harmonious flow of one's mind and system when it is not at the mercy of everything that is passing by. Right? So that uh, is a brief puppy dharmat for tonight. <laughs> uh, so, more detail in that, but maybe you can get a maybe you can get a sense of that. So, uh, just in preparing to close, I know um, my language veers towards 
the poetic and the image driven, but I hope you can get kind of a felt sense of um, this, some of the, this quality, some aspects of this quality of delusion and how, how it uh, permeates our experience. Some things you might check for in daily life, because um, again, it's more difficult to see. Um, sometimes I think of these um, kind of practical prompts as, um, it's like when the check engine light goes on in our cars, <laughs> right? Um, or some kind of warning light, warning signal that maybe we've been ignoring for a while, but um, suddenly something blossoms. And okay, here's a, here's a, these are these are indicators that possibly delusion is at work, and we might want to uh, stand still, come back to our feeling, noticing where we're coming from. Uh, and engage our practice resources. So some of these kind of indicators are when we notice ourselves getting uh, defensive, getting defensive. So I think it's Eckhart Tolle, might be somebody else who says, um, no, that whenever you find yourself getting defensive about anything, you have identified yourself with an illusion. So you can take that as an inquiry if you'd like, but notice in defensiveness, right? The pull of being right. Um, The promise of solidity through certainty, right? And then on the flip side of that, notice if you find yourself repeating internally over and over again, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know. Or it's too hard. I don't know, right? These are the voices of self-doubt. So whispery sometimes, but so uh, powerful in undermining our practice. So with these indicators, investigation is often helpful just to get to know them, but also coming back to our kind resolve. Our kind resolve. This is going for a walk with the puppy. And like our trainer says, you are taking the walk. Go for the walk. Don't let the puppy take you. Just... uh, So our kind resolve is centering and organizing around, this is where I'm going. This is important. This matters, right? This is important. This is where I'm going. This matters. So maybe if the delusion is in uh, defensiveness, certainty, our stance, it might be to relax and back off. That might be the helpful movement. If we're paralyzed by doubt, stuck, identified with that confusion, it might be just simply a willingness to take the next step. Let's see what happens. Let me just take this step, connect, see what happens.
one more um, indicator light um, is to reclaim your neutral moments. Reclaim the neutral moments. So in the classical teachings, something is very pleasant. It frequently, but not always, gives rise to greed. Oh, pleasant. I like that. I want more of that. Jerked off course. If something is unpleasant in our experience, not just a taste or a sight or a sound, but an inner experience, a memory or a thought, um, aversion is created just from the unpleasantness of remembering I have to do something, seeing my to-do list, <laughs> remembering someone I am going to see who I don't particularly like. Version, flare up. Um, so those are a little bit easier to spot, but the um, reflexive tendency when something is neutral, not quite pleasant, not quite unpleasant, we don't really like it or not like it, is to space out. There's nothing here worth paying attention to. Might as well power off. Might as well just go to sleep. Yeah. So there's so many neutral moments huh? where we're picking up a phone or trying to stimulate ourselves or um, getting busy, right? So if we reclaimed our neutral moments, uh, and I experience this often, they become deeply restful and reconnecting with what's of value there can actually be a potential for rest and remembering, oh, this matters, this is important, this is a moment, yeah. Okay, so, <clears throat> um, the last comment I just want to end with, and I know this is kind of a lot right at the end, uh, but uh, I was so excited to talk about delusion <laughs> because uh, we all have tendencies that are stronger than others, right? We can recognize that. So uh, delusion has been very uh, uh, strong in my, own, in my own practice. These tendencies and preferences to uh, ignore, to space out, to not notice, to identify with confusion have been very strong. Uh, so we have a lot of um, excitement <laughs> for um, uh, practicing with it, um, in part because um, when, we're, when we use a word like delusion or ignorance, this is not just delusion of um, afflictions or unwholesome states. This is also um, staying asleep to our own capacities, right? to our own uh, um, potentials, right? We're asleep to that also. So this is what gets uncovered um, as, we, as we practice. As these um, poisons diminish, as these afflictions kind of release us from their grasp, 
what we what we notice is that all of these um, helpful and healthy qualities start becoming more and more a part of our regular experience, more and more reliable, um, more and more part of our regular landscape. Yeah. So qualities like uh, patience, qualities like trust, qualities like uh, wisdom, understanding, interest, qualities like kindness, generosity, so those qualities become more trustworthy. And so waking up from uh, delusion is waking up not just uh, uh, from uh, afflictive forces, but also to um, other forces that are healthy and helpful. So I think I will... Um, stop there for tonight. I know you have a whole month to <laughs> and beyond to explore the forces of delusion in your own life. But uh, remember, um, it's about relating skillfully, yeah. relating skillfully. Okay, so why don't we just sit for a moment to Can't not click the chat. There we go, what I was just talking about. So just taking a moment, could be a neutral moment. Maybe you're leaping forward or trying to hang on to something. Noticing what's present. So thank you for your attention tonight and your practice. Um, I spoke longer than I intended to. Um, so maybe just to close, if you all are willing, if um, in place of questions, I hope you take um, one or two bits, take that into your practice for this time. But maybe to close, if we can just hear um, a couple words, maybe um, just from a few people, one word um, that maybe feels helpful 
um, or something you will take, maybe part of your intention or something that's present for you right now. You just, maybe just say one word, a couple people are willing. Yeah, and I'll just repeat. Yep. Kindness. Kindness. Presence. Presence. Courage. What'd you say, Jean? Courage. Courage. Wait. 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 Yeah. Watchfulness. Watchfulness. Thank you. Willingness, beautiful. Patience. Patience, said to several people. <laughs> Good. Neutral. Neutral, great. All right, those at home, great. Everything matters, yeah. Indicator lights. Good. 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 Thank you all and wishing you a fruitful. Um, I know Twerry will engage you all more in dialogue over these over these weeks. So may this be uh, a benefit for you. Thank you. So may our practice be of benefit for ourselves, for all those we come in contact with, and for all those everywhere, without exception. Thank you. Everybody. Um, So many of you know the teachings are always freely offered. And we operate, I like to think of it as like an alternative economy, which is not based on the forces of greed, hatred, and delusion, but is actually um, based on gratitude, generosity, and mutuality. So it's a wonderful system in which uh, teachers like myself can uh, just show up and offer whatever they can wholeheartedly sincerely and then whatever you feel inspired to offer uh, by way of helping support the teachings and the practice and the center continue um, there's a wonderful um, symbiotic relationship in that so it does support my livelihood but uh, more than that it helps keep the whole thing circulating and moving forward so I uh, would encourage you, if you feel inspired, to follow this impulse, um, especially if you're inclined to help support the center, go through this uh, transition to a new space, uh, a new start, new chapter, and to help, just help the, the Dhamma continue to flourish and be expressed in a variety of ways. I appreciate all the volunteers who helped tonight very much. It's a group effort, as always. So thank you all.